as we start out this uh, service today, uh, you can turn to Luke 11, chapter 1, and we'll read that. It says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time that we have to come together. I just pray that now as we turn to this text of the Lord's Prayer, which is familiar to us, but I pray that you would um, give us wisdom and guidance in how to apply this to our lives. And we thank you and praise you for everything you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, there's a story of a minister who called to Johnny's house, a young boy. And in the course of the conversation, he asked him, Do you pray every night, my boy? Nah, Johnny replied, Some nights, I don't want anything. (laughs) Sometimes we can approach prayer like that in our own lives. Uh, It can become a list of things that we want uh, and want to get out of life um, instead of seeing it as a time with God, a time to praise God, a time to worship God, um, and also a time to give our requests to God as well. So we're looking at prayer today. Um, This all stemmed, we are going to next week being looking at the parables Um, But I thought it's important for us to kind of get the context of that parable, which is this, um, the verses 1 through 4. And so that's what we're looking at. The first thing I want to point out here is the priority of prayer. It says, now Jesus was praying in a certain place. Uh, And this is, if you read the Gospels, nothing um, out of the ordinary. Actually, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 3. We're going to turn to a few pages at this moment, a few passages. Uh, Luke chapter 3, all of them are going to be in Luke. Verse 21. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized, so this is during his baptism, and was praying, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. So Jesus, during and before his baptism, or after, was praying. Let's go to Luke chapter 5, verse 15. But now even more the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him, and he healed their infirmities. So great crowds were gathering, but he would draw to a desolate places and pray. Go to chapter 6, verse 12. In these days he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. Um, And when day came, he called his disciples. That's when he calls his disciples. Luke chapter 9, verse 18. Now it happened as he was praying alone, the disciples were with him and asked, Who do the crowd say that I am? Go to 928. 
This is the transfiguration. Now about eight days after these sayings, he took with him Peter and John and James and went up to the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered and his clothing became dazzling white. I could keep going. I could keep talking. You guys are like, when are you going to stop? <laughs> that is the point, though. Many times as you read through the Gospels, Jesus is praying. He prays on the cross before feeding the 5,000, after feeding the 5,000, before he raises Lazarus um, from the dead, um, as he faces the cross at the Last Supper, the high priestly prayer. Um, all these things should tell you what? Jesus was a man of prayer. He was also God. And if Jesus himself prayed often, and he is our example, that should tell us that we are to pray often. And as I was thinking about all those verses, I was thinking about some things, some general things we can learn from praying, just from looking at those verses a little bit. And the first thing is we should be praying consistently. Uh, we should be praying continually, constantly, um, you see that in Jesus, that when he has the opportunities to pray, he takes the time to pray. And we can have a lot of excuses. It's kind of a little convicting. I make excuses. Oh, you know, I'm, I was doing this, I was doing that, I just slipped my mind this morning or late at night or whatever it is. Um, but of all the people who had excuses, Jesus was healing people. He was teaching people constantly. He literally had a band of people, these disciples, who were with him all the time, probably always asking him questions. If anyone had an excuse to be um, too busy to pray, it would be Jesus. But he takes the time. He makes it a priority because it is a priority in the Christian walk with God. So he serves as our example, and he prayed continually, and we need to be those who pray continually or cons consistently. We also should be doing it willingly and joyfully as well. The thing about Jesus is he often goes to those desolate places to pray. That's where he goes to uh, recoup, to spend that time with the Father. Um, this shouldn't be, prayer shouldn't be something that we have to do because we're believers, or we begrudgingly do because we're Christians. Um, this is something we should joyfully be doing um, as because we have that relationship with God, our Father. He often goes alone. He goes and prays in a desolate place alone. One of the verses mentions that he was alone. He also prays publicly many times. And I was thinking of that um, we do pray here publicly often, um, but I was thinking even at home, um, mainly with raising um, Clark now, thinking about the effect that it could have if he actually saw, he saw his father praying. Um, he didn't just know that his father prays, he actually sees that it's an importance in his father's life to be praying consistently. And so... Although we don't want to be praying just to be seen by others, our prayer life can be a godly example to others, particularly our children. So um, we should pray alone. We pray in public um, as part of um, corporately. Um, we can pray for others, and we can pray for ourselves as well. Um, we, can, we should be praying in the high points of our life, 
as well as the low points as well. So those are some general things that we can learn from Jesus' example in prayer. And so, I'm supposed to be doing this. Uh, the thing, uh, getting back to our text, we have the question on prayer. Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. It's interesting that um, John, John the Baptist, um, they did have some... Um, John had at least sent his followers to Jesus at this point, and so uh, they were aware that Jesus or John's followers prayed. Um, you always think of John the Baptist as the baptizer. You think of him as a prophet, um, but I don't really think of him as a man of prayer, but he is noted here um, as someone who at least has some difference than the way the religious leaders prayed during that time. And so... They say, Lord, teach us to pray, and we need to be learning how to pray in the right way. And it's interesting. They could have asked many different things. Uh, teach us to do miracles. Um, teach us to preach. Um, teach us to teach. Um, teach us to do signs. All these different things they could have asked. But they asked, teach us to pray. And it is interesting. Jesus seems uh, prayed differently than the religious leaders. I won't spend too long here, but in Matthew 6, Jesus points out how the difference in which he prayed. Matthew 6, verse 5 through 8. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and the street corners um, that they may be seen by others. Uh, that was how they were praying, to be seen by others. That was... The point of it. And verse 7, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases like the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. And so Jesus points to two different ways in which people were praying during that time, saying, don't be like that. And so it's, it's understandable that, that the disciples who grew up in that area, who had that as their example to pray, are now asking Jesus, well, how do you pray? Teach us to pray in the way that we're supposed to. And so that is the priority of prayer. We see the example, some things learned from it, and this all stems from the question, Lord, teach us to pray. Um, interestingly enough, as I was looking at this, um, the disciples unknowingly ask in the way in which they are supposed to pray, Lord, with that acknowledging who he is and then their petition and teach us to pray. Okay, side note. All right. When I was growing up, my dad used to say a phrase, practice makes permanent, is what he used to say. <laughs> Tricked you. All right. He would say, practice makes permanent. And when I was growing up, I thought that was, uh, yeah, I was like, I knew everyone said perfect, and he said permanent. I don't know if I really understood it until I got older. Um, the idea is how you practice is how you're going to play. And as you're practicing, some of those things are going to be permanent. Um, you could re-practice them, but the point is to get it right the first time so you don't have to relearn those things, right? What you're learning is going to be permanent. And so be thinking about how you're practicing. And that's what we need to do, right? We need to be creating good practices in our Christian walk with 
God as a whole, but also as in our prayer life as well. Learning to pray in the right way, in the right mindset. Um, simply put, how we learn to pray is how you will pray in the end. And so we need to be thinking, how are we praying um, and how um, should we be praying? We need to be learning how to pray as Jesus, um, as the Bible as a whole teaches, not with man's clever ideas. Man will say a lot of different things, and we nowadays live in time where there will be a lot of outside influences other than the Bible, different religions, different people of prominence telling you how to pray, but we need to be getting it straight from the source, straight from the Bible, in particular here, straight from Jesus I want to note a few things about this. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. I want to point out a few things Jesus does not mention. He does not mention when to pray. I mean, as you look through Jesus, through the Gospels, you can see there's many different times in which he is praying, even throughout the day. Sometimes maybe in the morning, sometimes late at night in the Gethsemane. Um, throughout the day, he kind of, when it seems necessary to him, he goes and he prays. And so Jesus never tells us a specific time when we are supposed to be praying. He also doesn't mention where we are to pray. Um, he doesn't say you have to go onto this hill. Jesus himself, where he is going in his ministry, wherever he goes, he is praying as he goes. He doesn't tell us a specific position to be in. He doesn't say be on your knees and pray, Father. Um, he doesn't tell us that. He doesn't also say which attitude we are supposed to have as we pray. Now, there can be some bad attitudes to have as we pray, but sometimes we pray in great grief and sorrow. Other times we pray with joy and gladness in our hearts. And so there can be many different attitudes as we are praying as well. When you're looking at this, I turn to Matthew 6, 9 through 13, and we need to be just a little clear that these aren't the same This is not the exact same sermon in both of these passages. One of them takes place in Galilee, which is Matthew 6. This one takes place in Judea in Luke 11. Um, And that just tells you this was something that was talked at least twice. Um, It's something that Jesus had talked about on multiple occasions. And it just kind of highlights the significance of it and the importance of learning to pray. So we need to be creating good practices, um, and we need to learn what to practice. How are we to think? What are the basic elements of prayer? So, first of all, seeing holiness. We're breaking this down into two categories. The first is seeing holiness, who God is. And that is, first of all, as Father. Seeing God intimately as our Father, as a uh, as we do our own earthly fathers, but even greater, uh, who care, he cares for us, he loves us, he provides for us, he'll discipline us and when that is needed. Um, we see him as father. This is something um, new 
Um, this is something unique to Jesus when he was praying as father. It was something that they didn't really like, um, that being the religious leaders. If you turn to John chapter 5, verse 8, you actually see this. John chapter 5, verse 18, sorry, verse 18 says, This is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Um, One of the critiques of the religious leaders was that Jesus called God Father. Um, And Jesus, um, they understood correctly, was making himself equal with God. Now, we don't do it quite like that. We aren't saying Father and making ourselves equal with God. Um, We are saying we are his children. And here's the interesting thing. Everyone is created by God. But not everyone is a child of God. Romans 8, you can turn there, Romans 8.14, clarifies this very well for us. Romans 8.14 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And so we say we call God our Father in our prayers, not to make ourselves equal with God, um, as Jesus did, but we do because we are his children, and we see him as our Father in heaven. And then you get, Father, hallowed be your name. This is to treat as holy. We see God as holy and be your name. That name is his person, his attributes, his nature. Um, On one hand, we call him Father because we have that intimate relationship with him. But on the other hand, hallowed be your name. We acknowledge that God is holy, omnipotent, omniscient, infinite, eternal, the God who created all things. And so we balance the fact that he is our Father and he is God as well. So he is our Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. This is the hastening of the kingdom of God. We aren't living for this world, we're living for the next world, and we're proclaiming um, as believers we should be, as Logan talked about, right? There are people who need to know we need to be those who are proclaiming the kingdom of God. So that is seeing his holiness in that verse 2. And then we get to seeking his holiness, or seeking holiness, I should say. Um, These are more, these next petitions are focused on man's need. Uh, Give us each day our daily bread. This is a reliance on God for daily needs. Then you have forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. Um, We forgive is the only requirement uh, in this verse. An unforgiving Christian is a contradiction of sorts. I like one commentary said, in asking for forgiveness of sins, a person expresses his faith that God will forgive him. 
such a person then evidences his faith by forgiving others as well. And so we need to be those who are seeking forgiveness as well as giving forgiveness. And lead us not into temptation. God doesn't tempt. We learned that in James 1.13. So this is a uh, keep us away from evil. All right, so that is briefly what to practice. And then I wanted to mention real quickly what not to practice. Um, as we noted, during that time, there were those who were praying in a wrongful manner. Uh, the hypocrites just to be seen by others. For us, um, what should we look out for? How should we not pray? Well, first of all, praying to anything other than God our Father. Uh, if, you, if someone was praying to someone other than our Father in heaven, then I would say that is a wrong way to pray. Not seeing God for who he is and not seeing what he can do, right? Hallowed be your name. I'm not acknowledging that we are talking to God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, and not seeing what he can do. I pointed out in the first service that, you know, that's where I would struggle a little bit. Uh, it can, when it's illustrated, it's easier to think about, but let's say you know someone who goes to the doctor, they get terminally ill, they have weeks, months to live, you know all the ins and outs of why this is, you understand it, um, and you might pray for that person that they be healed. Um, and I think sometimes in my own life, you know, I say, well, God's will be done. And this is true. God's will be, will be done in that person's life. Um, and I'll say even that he could heal her if he wanted to. Um, but I think often, although I know it's possible, I know God could do it, I don't know if I necessarily always believe that he will. And I'll just, and I would say something like, well, his will will be done in the end, but that's just me clarifying to myself that I don't think he's going to do it. And when we're praying, we need to have at least some faith that not only God could do it, but he might do it. Um, not having a pessimistic outlook on it, but looking at it as um, God working in the lives of man. And so we need to be careful of that. Uh, again, seeing who he is and seeing what he can do. Not seeking our own will, right? Your kingdom come. If you're praying and you're just constantly seeking your own will to be done, that is not the right way to be praying. When you're relying on your own strength in your prayers, and you're not saying, give us this day our daily bread. If you have an unrepentant heart from sin, right? You're not seeking that forgiveness from God. We need to be seeking it. And furthermore, if you have an unforgiving heart, when you're praying and you know there's someone you should be um, forgiving and they've sought forgiveness and you still won't forgive them, um, we need to be careful. We should be those who seek forgiveness and are willing to give forgiveness. And the last thing is when we are willingly in sin, when we are praying and we know we have sin in our lives and we just don't want to get rid of it. And we aren't able to say, lead us not in temptation because we love the temptation and we love the sin. We need to be those who flee from idolatry. All right, so those would be some things not to practice. In the end, prayer needs to be a priority in our life, something done consistently, willingly, joyfully, 
And the Bible shows us through Jesus' example and many other passages that talk about prayer that it needs to be a priority in our life. Uh, We need to make sure we are praying how the Bible teaches us, and that is with a heart seeing his holiness and a heart that is seeking holiness as well. Uh, With that, let us pray. Father, we thank you for this time, and we just pray that we always appreciate the hallowed be your name, how you are holy, you are righteous, you are just. I pray that we would never forget all the things uh, that you have done this world, that we never forget who you are, your name. I pray that as we go throughout the world, we would be um, preaching the gospel, your kingdom come, and that we would be longing, hastening the day when you come home, or come back, I shouldn't say home, back. And give us our daily needs. Uh, help us to be reliant on you. Help us to understand how reliant we are on you. Uh, forgive us our sins. If there's anyone here who has never accepted you as their personal Lord and Savior, I pray today would be the day. Um, I pray that as we have been forgiven, so we also forgive others willingly. And I pray that as we go into the world, we would not be led into temptation. Just keep us on the straight and narrow path. Help us to be children of the light, not loving the darkness, um, but loving that light. And we just thank you and praise you for everything you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen.